suspect in this investigation, Timothy Hazlitt Jr., charged with rape, kidnapping, and assault. He remains in police custody tonight. Today, KSHB 41 I-Team reporter Sarah Plake spoke to neighbors who took her in as they waited for police to arrive. The house is right behind that red work truck. We were able to talk to neighbors today who told us that in just the short interaction they had with this young woman, she told them she escaped from that house, ran down this hill. This is Don Shelton Boulevard and started banging on doors trying to get help. And eventually someone took her in. It was just a whisper, Lisa Johnson says. She didn't have much of a voice. So it was more like a light help me than anything. A young woman almost crawling up Lisa's steps. Lisa says the woman, weak and bruised up, said she was being held captive by a man up the street. That man is Tim Hazlitt, who is now in custody. As Lisa went to grab the phone to call 911, the young woman started running next door. Frightened her. She told me if I called the cops that he'd kill us both. This was at 7.45 in the morning on Friday, when Sierra Tharp's grandmother was also at home, next door to Lisa. She heard a woman screaming and came knocking on the door. So she opened the door and the lady said, you have to help me. Um, I've been raped, I've been held captive. She's like, you gotta help me. Sierra's grandma let the woman in. She wrapped her in a blanket and gave her some food and water. My grandma could tell she was weak and she didn't have a whole lot of clothes on. She said that she had a metal dog collar around her neck and she could see the ligature marks on her wrist. The young woman said Hazlitt, who lives at this house on Old Orchard and Don Shelton, was the one who sexually assaulted her and held her against her will in the basement. But that morning, she saw a window of opportunity. She said once he left, she just flung that door open, let his dog out, and she took off. Sierra says her grandma did the right thing. There's a possibility that my grandma probably got her just in time. Got her in the house just in time. Neighbors on Don Shelton say they never saw Hazlitt much and never had interactions with him. I've seen him mark his child up and down the street once in a while, but that's about it. While they're still processing what happened, they want to know what police found in the house and if there are other victims. But above all, they hope for one thing. I just want to know if she's getting the help that she needs. Sarah Plate. <sighs> that... that. Wow. All, all I can say is, wow, man, that that is a situation that is. I, I don't know what to say. I don't. I really don't. I don't know what to say. Let's get into the more details of it. sex slave held for a month in a basement torture dungeon with a metal collar tight around her neck frantically insisted to rescuers her captor killed two of her friends two of my friends dailymail.com can exclusively reveal and now police have confirmed that the detectives are taking the claim seriously and are actively investigating whether other women met their death at the hands of Missouri monster Timothy Hanslick the young woman, still bleeding from the wounds caused by being whipped and restrained, seized her chance to escape the house of horrors when alleged captor 
Timothy Hansen, 39, took his son to school last week. Let me read these these uh, this information right here. Police have confirmed detectives are now actively investigating whether Missouri man Timothy Hansen had other victims. It comes after a 39-year-old was charged with keeping 22-year-old woman as a sex slave in the basement of his Esclesia Springs home for nearly a month. She had a metal collar padlocked around to her neck, and she was only able to escape when her abuser took his took his son to school on Friday, October 7th. The massive woman hurtled barefoot out of the rundown property and fled 100 yards outside the home of a nurse, Lisa Johnson, 41, who she asked for help. It was such a soft help me, Johnson told the DailyMail.com. She looked like something out of a horror movie. When Johnson told the woman she was calling the police, she panicked and warned her captain would kill her and claimed he would kill two of he killed two of her friends. The victim then fled next door to the home of Sierra Tharp, whose grandmother was watching her son and took her in. Tharp said she actually said the guy killed more than just two. She said it was her friends, but he, she wasn't clear if something happened to them there. Okay. What I want to know is like, how did he get, how did he get access to her friends? What were they doing there? That's what I want to know. Okay. All right. Let's get to that. Sasha, uh, help me, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, Okay, here we are. She had a metal homemade device tight around her neck. She There was duct tape that she had pulled down off her face, which had been covering her mouth. Her wrists and ankles were messed up. You could tell that she had been tied and whipped. The wounds over her body, the wrists and ankles were actually bleeding. Johnson, who specialized in the home health care, continued. She was, wear, uh, she was wearing a very short black latex dress, which appeared opened up in places. You could plainly see what she had been through. And she was clearly dehydrated and very malnourished, super skinny. She was maybe no more than 70 pounds, short hair, although not matted or not dirty. There were no tears. I honestly believe she was too dehydrated to produce them. When Johnson told the woman she was calling the police, it sent a shudder down the victim's spine, even though she was desperately seeking sanctuary. She said, if I called the cops, he would kill us both, Johnson said. What were they doing in that house? How did they know this man? I said, who? She said, the guy up the street. She said she had been, he had been holding her, wouldn't let her go, and that he was going to kill her, as, and he had killed all, he had killed her two friends. By the time Johnson had come back out of her home, after calling 911, she saw the terrified woman slipping away off her driveway to her next door neighbor. Let me see this. This home is now boarded up, cornered off with crime scene tape behind the chain link fence. After entering the property, Elixir Springs police officers said they found a room in the basement consistent with what the victim had described. The exterior of the home was also in bad shape with trash, old ice coolers, and other items strewn across the yard. A child's trampoline was also found in the yard of Hazlitt's house. His son had been reportedly staying at home with him days before his arrest. She hadn't said anything about her friends or where she believed they had been killed. 
the nurse said. But she had no reason to lie about that. So do I believe her? And somewhere out there definitely could be more victims. The woman fled to the home of Sierra Tharp, 39, whose grandmother was looking after her son. Grandma said she was sitting there and she heard a woman yelling. Tharp told DailyMail.com. Really sad, man. This is really sad. She so she opened the door and the girl ran up and said, You got to help me. I've been held captive. I've been raped. I have got uh, you've got to help me. It's going to end up killing me. My grandmother brought her in, wrapped a blanket around her, and went and got her some food and water. She was pretty hungry, and my grandma said, sat with her and held her until the police came. She told her, my friends didn't make it. He killed my friends. Tharp continued. The girl said he had kept her down in the basement, and when he left, she assumed to take her, he, she assumed to take his son to school. She opened the door, and she let the dog, she let his dog ran out the door, and she took off. Wow. She actually said the guy killed more than just two. She said, it was her friends, but she wasn't clear if something had happened to them up there at that house, wherever he got her from or elsewhere. It's scary. The girl is lucky to be alive. She got to be so brave. Tharp said her grandmother, who does not want to be named publicly, revealed that the woman was at times gasping for breath because the metal collar around her neck was so tight. I believe it was like one of those that has prongs on the inside, said Dark. Please cut it off because she was having trouble breathing. She was frantic. She said she had been in the house since early September. My grandma said the facts never changed. What she told her was exactly what she told the officers. She told them exactly who did it, what house. Previously, Excelsior Springs police had said officially it had no knowledge of any more victims, but a spokesperson has now told the DailyMail.com exclusively, we are taking this accusation of two more women victims seriously and are actively investigating it. He would not go into any further. Hassett is alleged to have picked up the woman from a Prospect Avenue area of Kansas City, an area notorious for prostitution. He was arrested on October 7th on his way back from taking his son to school in his gray Dodge Ram pickup truck. Cops hauled him in a via traffic stop on an unrelated animal control violation after the victim had identified him, identified his home to officers. The former railroad construction worker pleaded not guilty on Tuesday to first degree rape, first degree kidnapping and a second degree assault. He made an appearance at Clay County Court via video link and is now being held on $500,000 bond. An exclusive Springs police probable cause statement said of the victim. She was wearing latex lingerie and had a metal collar around her neck with a padlock. She advised Timothy had kept her in a small room in the basement that he had built. He kept her restrained in handcuffs, wrists, and ankles. The victim further advised that Timothy had whipped her while she was restrained. There were injuries on the victim's back that were consistent with this description. The victim, advi the victim advised that Timothy had raped her multiple times or frequently while she was held hostage. Upon entering the residence to clear it, Exclusia Springs police observed the room in the basement consistent with what the victim had described. Hanslet has numerous firearms in his residence. The accused kidnapper married Lindsay McTalf, 33, in 2013 
in Independence, Missouri, with the couple divorced in February 2016, according to records obtained by the DailyMail.com. Hanslet had joint custody of his eight-year-old son and became the primary custodial parent. The boy was in the home while his alleged crimes were taking place, according to close neighbors who spoke to DailyMail.com. Dee Delana, who lives next door to Hanslet, told us the boy has been staying with him and was there the week before he was arrested. Uh, this this is crazy, man. I, I can't, it's like, this is the risk you take being a sex worker. This is the risk that you take. Sorry. Elena, 48, who has lived near Hanslet for nearly seven years with husband Kurt, 53, described the accused as a definite loner. She said he had no real friends to speak of, definitely no girlfriends. He was strange, although I would not label him as the kind of person who was guilty of the crimes he's accused of. We saw no sign of any girl over there, nothing at all. Oddly, though, he had a habit of keeping his truck parked on the road during the week. But every Friday, he'd move it to the back of his property on the driveway in front of his garage. Then on Sunday night, he would shift it back to the front. We thought that was strange. Hansel told Delena he was quitting work in 2020 due to a heart condition. And immediately afterwards, she noticed he had received multiple parcel deliveries every day. It was nonstop, she told DailyMail.com, UPS, Amazon, FedEx, so many deliveries up to a four, up to four a day. There was always something getting delivered. All the windows and doors in the Hansel home was boarded up when DailyMail.com visited. Police crime tape surrounded it with a perimeter fence erected by law enforcement. A large kid's trampoline was in the yard and in the back where he parked his truck at the weekends. At weekends. There are mounds of junk and other um, directors. Excelsior, Excelsior Springs Police said everything outside is as we found it. It's still very much an active crime scene. Officers are still conducting house-to-house inquiries Thursday. I don't know what to say, man. I don't, because this is something that is... Uh, I'm just wondering, how is all seven of your friends in that house? Seven of your friends. How do you know this man? Okay. Let's look look at her age again. How old is this woman? 22 years old, and you're in a 39-year-old man's house. It's very rare that a 22-year-old has any type of authentic bond with a 39-year-old man unless there's prostitution involved or something. It's very rare. Okay? It is. And seven of your friends in that house? Yeah. Feel bad for her, but that's the life of being a sex worker. All right. On to the next story.
And that's all I can say. That is all I can say. France is having an immigration problem as well. Okay. Here it is. France in shock. Four Algerian migrants arrested for the brutal rape and murder of a 12-year-old Paris girl found stuff in a suitcase with throat slashed. French police has four Algerians in custody suspected of participating in the brutal murder and rape of a 12-year-old schoolgirl identified as Lola. The suspects... Yahabi B and Amain K, Friha B and Rancid N, all hail from the same Algerian village, and one of them may be in the country illegally. The body was found in a suitcase shackled with a deep wound to the throat and marked with inscriptions. According to the autopsies carried out on Saturday, her death was due to asphyxiation. One of the suspects in the case had been charged with murder of a minor under the age of 15 in connection with the rape committed with the acts of torture and barbarism, rape of the minor under the age of 15, with acts of torture and barbarism and concealment of a corpse. Although there was no mention of sexual violence when the story first broke, the latest details from BM BMF TV alleged the girl was also assaulted. Police also say that the device was used to imprint numbers one and zero on her body, but further details about these numbers mean how they were imprinted on the body remains unclear. Lolo's father reported her disappearance on Friday because she had not returned after her classes at George Bryson's college. Located just behind the building where she was eventually found, Lolo's mother, Delphine, went to the police station. Okay. The girl, Scuba, was medium length, blonde hair, and was wearing white jeans with holes in them. The white hoodie and sleeves jackets and white sneakers, the report said. The mother posted a desperate message on social media to find her daughter after she went missing. Our daughter Lola has not been seen, last seen at 3.20 p.m. And the company of women we do not know in our residence. The investigators also arrested a suspect early this Saturday morning in Bios Columns in Halt D.C., it is a woman whose description could match the woman seen on the video at the time of the crime. Another 24-year-old woman who allegedly asked for help from a local Friday afternoon to carry a big trunk to her car is the main suspect in the police custody, according to Le Parisine. The two women in custody are sisters, and according to the media reports, one of them is homeless. The Paris prosecutor's office stated that the 24-woman, wow, raped and murdered the suspect. Police say she spoke clearly to investigators apparently divulging key evidence in the case, according to BFMTV. A second suspect in his 40s is suspected to have helped, having helped the younger predator transport the body. A second man was also arrested. According to uh, Le Journal de Monsieur, police are also investigating the possibility that the girl was kidnapped and targeted for organ harvesting. In front of the girl's building, the entrance is overflowing with stuffed animals and flowers placed by the mourners. A friend of the girl spoke to BFM TV, saying, "We are still, we were, we were still laughing on Friday. They didn't realize what would happen." Politicians across France are pointing to the fact that once again migrants are responsible for the another shocking murder and rape. <sighs> They're not going to do anything, man. They're not. 
They're not going to take this seriously. This has been happening in Sweden, okay? The numerous gang rapes, okay, that has happened in Sweden, beheadings, women's heads have been found missing, and they're not going to do anything about it. They're not going to pull the plug on just having immigrants just overflow in their country. You're just going to have a bunch of no-go zones, and it's sad. Women are going to still have to be jogging with tanks behind them to protect them from predators. Okay, look it up. Look it up. Even look up about what ASAP Rocky had to deal with. Okay, being approached by immigrants. Okay, and they tried. They were harassing him. And guess what? He had to spend time in jail. He was the victim, and it took Trump to get him out. Lola, twelve, brutally murdered in the nineteenth Mint of Paris. Four Algerians in custody. Our youth is being slaughtered while professional mourners chase imaginary. What? Islamophobia, wrote Stephanie Ravier, senator for the Bush de Fond. Listen, it's not Islamophobia, okay? This is real. This is what they do to women in their culture. This is what they do to young girls in their culture. And people need to wake up, okay? That's not a faith of peace. It's a death cult. They're still trying to push this wokeism. Wokeism is killing people. National Rally Parliamentary Lady Leader, I'm sorry, Marine Le Pen wrote on Twitter, once again, the terrible assassination, a little girl massacred in the middle of Paris. One day it will be necessary to go to the end of the to go to the end of the investigations to find not only the direct culprits, but also to stop the crazy policies which make these crimes possible. It's not going to stop, man. It's not going to stop. It is not going to stop, unfortunately. Prayers for that little girl's family. People are suffering because of these lax immigration laws in Europe. Okay? They're suffering in America now. Okay? Now let's talk about uh, Mr. Zelensky. Let's talk about him. This guy's a trip. I'll tell you that right now. Zelensky is out of this. Let me let me show you what he's about. Oh, man. You know, he reminds me of Governor Cuomo. Because Governor Cuomo, after he botched up, you know, his way of handling the uh, pandemic. And he got a lot of senior citizens killed. He decided to write a book about it saying how I handled the pandemic. No, 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 man. No, no, you 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 fumbled bad. A lot of elderly died during the uh, pandemic. Vladimir Zelensky to publish a book of Ukraine speeches for Christmas season. The gall of this man. The gall. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky will publish an anthology book featuring this his wartime verbalizations, excuse me, from the past year. To be relinquished in early relinquished in early December, the Penguin Random House subsidiary Crown promulgated on Monday. The book is titled "A Message from from Ukraine." Will contain 16 verbalizations dis- distributed since Zelensky became president in 2019. Most of them liable to be from the past year. Okay, Russia invaded Ukraine in 2014. Half a 
Desimond before Zelensky surmounted the nation's top police, top office, sorry, but the West re reacted repeatedly to Moscow's colonization of Ukraine's Crimean Peninsula at the time, leading to Russian bellwether Vladimir Putin promulgating a full-scale national incursion of Ukraine in February. Since the escalation in February, Putin has promulgated the annexation of four more regions of Ukraine. Kherson, which connects Russia to Crimea, um, can't pronounce these names, and the two eastern Donbass regions, Langhas and Don Donetsk. Zelensky has dedicated much of his time as a wartime president to distributing verbalizations to international audiences, including a long list of national legislators such as the U.S. Congress and international events. A comedian prior to becoming president, Zelensky has additionally capitalized on invitations to regallant venues and most and most prominently the Grammy Awards in April. Since my inauguration in May 2019, I have distributed about a thousand different addresses around the world. I've called the 16 verbalizations in this book because they will avail understanding Ukrainians, our aspirations, our principles, and our values. You guys don't... You guys are causing a lot of problems in other countries. That's what you're doing. Your principles are to... Are to cause havoc all right and that's you know i don't want to say all ukrainians because all ukrainians could not be you know that bad you know and to be monsters i'm not going to try and do that all right but the, the fact remains is that ukraine is steeped in white supremacy staked deep in nazism okay very deep okay and very ethnocentric and like i said they some of them have been causing problems you know overseas and have making people regret taking them in as refugees okay a lot of problems in ireland okay a lot of problems in different countries some of them will try to steal your if you're a woman, they'll try to steal your man. They don't care if they break up a home. I had, I did an article on, I did a story on that actually, and the guy regretted, you know, cheating on his mother of his kids with a Ukrainian woman. Okay, and she ended up being very violent and uh, didn't like the fact that he was breaking up with her. Okay. So let's see, verbalize and express verbal expression, promulgating the anthology book, according to the Publishers Weekly. Above all, it will avail you are really perceive our message to the world that we are free and independent people and that we will stop, not stop resisting until the last Russian troop has left our territory. That's not happening. Crown corroborated the upcoming book scheduled to be published in Western Europe on December 6th prior to the commencement of the Frankfurt Book Fair, one of the industry's most prestigious events. You could read the rest for yourself. You could find the article for yourself about this guy. I'm sorry, he, he can't be taken seriously. I'm sorry, Zelensky cannot be taken seriously at all. The guy's a comedian. I mean, who would want a comedian to be the president of their country? You want somebody that can be taken seriously. All right? This, this is what he does. Let me show you something. This is what he does. 
Да. Вы не удивляйтесь, что мы в таких костюмах, мы просто на входе. Шокс, hold on. Here we go. Как вы, наверное, догадались? Да. Ваши старые знакомые. Да. Вы не удивляйтесь, что мы в таких костюмах, мы просто на входе с Беркутом фоткали. Да, э, я Ваван, это Жека Кучерявый. Я только сейчас понял, почему у тебя кличка Кучерявый. I am playing a more man. This guy is a super clown. Super, super clown. I, I mean, this is this is who they have for Ukraine. I mean, you can't take it seriously. And he's leading them to possibly a nuclear war. He wants a nuclear war with Russia. All right. Let's just go to the next one. Okay. So the UK is going to be feeling the uh, the chills. Let's put it that way. I'm telling you, man, Putin is like Mr. Freeze. I'm going to tell people's <laughs> a picture of Putin, you know. This, this is Sub-Zero. <laughs> Let's get into it. Well, the national grid releases its winter outlook uh, every year, uh, and it sets out a series of, of, of demands and supply scenarios for gas and electricity. And in this instance, there are quite a few headlines to deal with. The first is that in order to help manage demand, the national grid has launched a, a framework scheme is calling the Demand Flexibility Service, which would, in essence, pay consumers to reduce their consumption at peak times. So that's things like using your washing machine overnight, charging your electric vehicle in the middle of the day or perhaps overnight, anything to avoid those crunch times of morning and evening. This scheme would be run by our electricity suppliers. It is voluntary and it will run from November through to March. And the reason the national grid is so keen to ask consumers and businesses to reduce demand is because it is also saying as part of its winter outlook report that it is concerned in the very worst case scenario that supply might not be able to meet demand. And it outlines, we must stress this as a worst case scenario, a situation like this. It says in a very, very cold period of weather, which is also very still, which would of course reduce our capacity to generate wind power, when there is also problems importing electricity from European 
a counterpart and a significant gas shortage, which would reduce the ability of our gas-fired power stations to make electricity. At that point, there could be planned blackouts for British households. Now, in a statement, the spokesperson of the National Grid said, in the unlikely event we were in this situation, it would mean some customers could be without power for predefined periods during the day. Generally, this is assumed to be for three hour blocks, adding that the exact number of people left without electricity would depend on the extent of the gas shortages, because, of course, the UK gets 40% of its electricity from gas-fired power stations. A lot could happen in three hours. A lot could happen. Now, this will be a real blow to Liz Truss, who has been very reluctant to talk about individual behaviour change and has also promised there will be no rationing in the UK this winter. And government spokesperson said in response to the release of these winter outlook reports, we are confident in our plans to protect households and businesses in the full range of scenarios this winter in the light of Russia's illegal war in Ukraine. And that spokesperson also emphasised that Britain is not so dependent on Russian energy imports and, of course, has access to domestic supplies from the North Sea and, of course, renewable energy as well. But there is no doubt about it. This warning in a very worst case scenario Don't be surprised if they don't pull that nonsense in America. Don't be surprised. Okay? They said they were not going to ration out the power grid stuff, right? But they're doing it. Okay? And I remember reading an article that there was going to be blackouts in in America. And they're going to try to find a way to have to blame it on somebody okay this this is not fake all right this is well planned okay they're trying to bring about a new world order and they have to bring people to their knees that's what they're doing okay Even when it comes to food now, that's what they're doing. You're going to see what I mean. Hard Talk Radio, live in 4K. Some big news out of Alaska where their king and snow crab seasons have been canceled because of what... fisherman joining me live from Kodiak, Alaska. Gabriel, we appreciate you making the time for us. Canceling something like this seems like it could have an enormous impact. What does it mean for you and your family business? Yeah, good morning. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks for having me here. Um, tremendous impact, uh, not just for my family, my brothers and, and my, my father as well. We're um, 50% owners and our, our family vessel, so it's a family operation, but it's a tremendous impact on the, the industry in general. You know, we have about 60 vessels that fish in the Bering Sea, um, snow crab and king crab fisheries each year. So each and every one of those are going to have families affected, children, uh, not to mention the, the communities where they deliver the crab and the taxes they get from delivering it there, the processors and and all the, all the um, uh, just crew members are going to be greatly affected uh, from this um, collapse and, and closure of the snow crab that no one really knows for sure why happened. I'm sure that all uh, the people that made this decision 
know that impact and I'm, I'm wondering it doesn't I'm, I sh I'm sure it doesn't come out of nowhere Gabriel have you noticed a drastic change maybe in the population over the past several years or more you, you know Trevor and in, in 2016 17 and 18 we were having a tremendous number of small crab uh, come into the fishery and so that would uh, uh, hypothetically translate into uh, major years of, of high harvest levels um, um, uh, something a little different happened in the years of uh, 2018 2019 2020 when we went out to the Bering Sea to fish um, in the, the, those waters that it was unusually warm um, scientists are saying that has probably something to do with it what they're not exactly sure did those crab just did they run up further north to, to reach that colder water did they have a mass die-off uh, we're not exactly sure what happened but it was an unusually warm year in 2018 2019 2020 leading up to this collapse drastic measure to be sure and I, I would imagine it's also not one that could be sustained for quite a long time are they giving you any guidance if you were to just take maybe this year off that next year you'd be right back at it full speed or is this are they taking it one year at a time Right now, this is looking to be, I mean, I mean, crab don't just magically come back. You're going to have to have those small levels of, of, of new crab coming into uh, the fishery. Um, right now, we're working with state and federal levels for some type of uh, immediate financial relief. Um, we're really at risk of, of losing our, our small business owners and our, our second and third generation fishermen if we don't have some type of a, a financial bridge to, to really weather us through this storm. We're really uh, looking down the barrel of a very very difficult uh, upcoming set of not just this year but years in the making because it's going to take a while for those crab to come back do you think you can survive this not without any type of uh, financial help either from the state level which we've been working on um, as well as the, the federal level to get that appropriated into the state for not just fishermen in alaska but, but fisheries across the country that we need some type of rapid relief program for um, situations like this where you have a lot of unknowns coming into it um, much like farmers will get uh, during crop failure or uh, uh, fema will, will deliver to two areas just like a hurricane ian affected um, and and those places in the country so we need some type of a program dedicated to fishermen to to help us through this because right now it's uh it's not looking very feasible with the cost of our operation all right gabriel Pratt, thanks so much for your time okay a lot of things being done to uh mess up food supply chains and it's working we ain't feeling it yet but it's coming it's coming collapsing crab numbers force Alaska officials to cancel fishing seasons made famous by deadliest catch TV series Alaskan officials recently canceled the Bering Sea snow crab season for the first time ever after scientists discovered an unprecedented decline in crab numbers. Climate change is the number one suspect in the drop-off. We're still trying to figure out, but certainly there's very clear signs of the role of climate change in the collapse, said Mr. I'm sorry, said Michael Litzow, shellfish assessment program manager at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration which runs annual survey of Bering Sea snow crabs. Snow crabs are also found in the Beaufort and Chukchi Seas off Alaska. 
The decision to cancel announced by the Alaska Department of Fish and Game on October 10th came as a devastating blow for local fisheries in a state where the seafood industry is an economic cornerstone. Uh-oh. Commercial landing last year of Alaska snow crab alone came to 44 million and 219 million, according to the NOAA data. The bad news didn't end here, then end there. State officials also announced the cancellation of Bristol Bay Red King crab season for the second year in a row because of consistently low crab numbers. The Alaskan commercial crabbing fleet is bracing for half a billion dollars in losses going to, into the second year of stock collapse. The Alaska Bering Sea Crabbers Trade Association said a press release plus more ripple effect losses in revenue to processors support businesses and communities. The trade association represents about 60 vessels and 350 shippermen. A lot of people are going to be out of work. The Alaskan crab crisis is complicated in part because the situation for the two crab population, two different crab populations are quite different. Let's start with the Bering Sea snow crabs, which have declined by multiple billions over the just few years, according to Litzau. Back in 2018, the NOAA run annual survey revealed the population was booming. We were looking at the largest amount of small crab, i.e. young crabs in the water that we've ever seen in the survey, said Ethan Nichols, assistant area management biologist at the Alaska Department of Fishing Game. There was a lot of hope and anticipation that this would translate into more commercial fishing in the areas for years to come, he added. But 2019 survey revealed as much reduced population of small crabs and the 2020 survey was nixed because of the uh, pandemic. Then in 2021, we went out and there was just nothing, said Litzo. There was just enough adult crabs to meet the regulatory threshold to keep the commercial crabbing season open. But with so few smaller crabs around, the outlook for 2022 was grim. This year's survey only confirmed that resulting in the, the closure of the snow crab season for the first time. It's not entirely clear, not um, not entirely clear, not what happened to all the snow crabs, but climate change is thought to be a big contributor. The Bering Sea water temperatures were much warmer than average in 2018 and 2019, contributing to the low sea ice cover levels. Snow crabs are cold water animals, explained Litzau, and they're sensitive to the loss of sea ice and really warm temperatures. There are some signs of another wave of really small crabs coming into the survey, and so looking out four to five years from now, those crabs, if they survive, would be coming into the fishery. So that's the bright news, Litzau said. But if you're trying to pay off a boat loan, a boat loan or keep a team employed, five years is really a long time. Yeah, this is going to be a, uh, you know, you can look for the article on fortune.com. Um, hey, man, there's a lot of problems happening. And I do think the powers that be are just letting climate change happen so they can capitalize. And like I said, a lot of things are going on is to push for the new world order. I know people's going to think of a conspiracy theorist, but a lot of things that are conspiracy theory are now becoming conspiracy facts, as I used to say. Okay. Hope people are stocking up and finding ways to adjust and adapt, especially in the big cities, because 
Um, this is going to be a uh, a big problem, a seriously big problem. All right. All right. On to the next one. Um, let's see. So what's going on with the Mississippi River? Army Corps of Engineers is constructing a 1,500-foot-wide underwater levee in the Mississippi River to try and prevent salt water from threatening drinking water. Officials say record low water levels and flow gates are allowing salt water from the Gulf of Mexico to push up the river. Sections of the Mississippi River are plunging to a level not seen in more than 30 years. Along with threatening drinking water, experts say the unprecedented drop could also impact the U.S. supply chain and the economy. Well, joining us now is Cameron McWhorter. He is a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Fair use, fair use. He wrote an article reporting on the drying Mississippi River. Cameron, good to have you here. I grew up on that Mississippi. Um, Tell us, what's behind these record low water levels? Is this an extension of the drought that that so many communities faced over the summer? Uh, It's slightly more complicated than that, but the answer is basically the same. There, There isn't enough water... There has been enough rain hitting the Ohio River Valley up in the northern parts of the uh, of, of the country, and that isn't so. Therefore, it's not flowing down through the Mississippi water system and causing huge problems, all kinds of problems. And you know, one thing we mentioned there is how this uh, low water level is threatening the economy, specifically the U.S. supply chain. Uh, tell us about that. Well. The Mississippi River uh, is used by industry and agriculture as a major transportation highway to bring goods down to the Gulf of Mexico and then export it around the world. So farmers are harvesting right now soybeans, cotton, all kinds of uh, crops that are then they're looking to make a killing uh, to do very well this year, but they're all getting stuck because there isn't these water levels have caused the barge system, which is used to transport all this stuff to really grind to a halt They're They're still able to move some, uh, some goods, but it's, it's much less than they expected. And it's becoming much, much more expensive. And those barges are always supposed to be moving there. Um, Sorry, sorry, Cameron. Um, Well, at the same time, people are moving petroleum and chemicals and all kinds of things north, and they can't do that either. So it's just caused a complete havoc in terms of... Like the economy needed. Right, right, on top of of what's already going on. Um, Tell us more about the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and the levy that they're constructing. Go ahead. Yeah, as you guys pointed out, like it's... it's, um, the water levels are so low that that salt water, which is heavier than fresh water, is creeping north under that that uh, the river and, and threatening uh, water supply in the New Orleans area. So they have to put this underwater barrier there. Uh, and so the Army Corps is doing that. At the same time, the Army Corps is sending dredges up and down the Mississippi to emer- do emergency digging to, so that boats can be freed and go boats can go back and forth. We haven't even 
had time, nor will we have time to get into the environmental yeah. impact of this. I hear dredging right. and, you know, and I think of other parts of the Gulf where uh, the land loss has been just so devastating. We're in some serious trouble, man. We're in some serious trouble. We have a lot of water shortages. We have a lot of things just not. Yeah, it's, it's not good. It's definitely not good. We just have a lot of problems. And people have to get try to get all the supplies you need before they start having problems and hiccups with the supply chain. I really hope people start doing that. Okay? Because... The, the this is all planned. I'm, I know I sound like a conspiracy theorist, but come on, it's just the incompetence everywhere. Just incompetence everywhere. It, it, it's just too much to just be like a coincidence. Like okay, one mistake, fine, but come on now. And not to mention the fact we, you know you have the food processing plants being set on fire. You have uh, farmers losing their land. You know, Bill Gates buying up all the farmland as well. Um, come on. Farmers are even being paid to destroy their own crops. Paid. Okay, yeah, I just found some new information here about the... Um, about what I told you about this this white dude that held a black woman there for a month. I'm going to go into that right now. Second. There we go. Residents in Missouri are criticizing police for what they call inaction to reports of missing black women in the area. Now, this is all surrounding a case from a few weeks ago. A 22-year-old black woman escaped from a man in Excelsior Springs who she says raped her and kept her hostage in his basement for a month. That man, Timothy Hassett Jr., is facing multiple charges, including kidnapping and assault. Now, an article by the Kansas City Defender is claiming that residents in Missouri had been raising the alarm about black women going missing in the area weeks before the woman was found. At the time, the Defender reported that the Kansas City Police Department called the rumors, quote, completely unfounded. Brian Zwell joins us now. He is the founder and editor-in-chief of the Kansas City Defender, an online publication devoted to reporting on the black community. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. Can you give us more details about what residents have been telling police about missing women prior to October 7th when the victim was found? Uh, absolutely. Uh, first off, thank you all so much for bringing me on here to talk about this incredibly tragic uh, situation. It's, it's truly horrifying, quite honestly. And uh, the people that actually initially made these reports and these testimonies of missing black women were here where I'm located in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, just for clarification, it was the people here in our community in Kansas City that were making these initial reports that black women uh, were both missing and potentially being killed, specifically on a street called Prospect here in Kansas City. And we also reported on that. On We talked to numerous people in our community 
who said that missing black women were, you know, being snatched off of this street called Prospect in Kansas City, Missouri. And despite the fact that we reported it, despite the fact that numerous community members uh, were also raising the alarm about this issue, the Kansas City Police Department, without contacting us to see where we got this information from, without reaching out to anyone in the community whatsoever, without reaching out to any community leaders, our Kansas City Police Department responded three days later and said that the reports that we made were completely unfounded without doing any type of investigation whatsoever. And of course, as you all mentioned, about a month later after the police department said that those reports were completely unfounded, this woman from Excelsior Springs who escaped from this man's basement said that she had actually been picked up and snatched off of Prospect Avenue here in Kansas City at the exact same time period that we said uh, in our reporting and that people in our community were reporting that black women were being snatched from this street called Prospect. And so the most troubling aspect of this entire situation is number one, uh, that our community is not being listened to, specifically black women. Uh, that is what we find to be the most uh, disturbing aspect of this situation is that we made these reports. We you know, raised the alarm multiple times and our police department quite literally silenced the alarms that people in our community were making. Right, I want to follow up with you on that. Uh, and, and for viewers who may be not as well versed, there are two police departments that we're talking about here, Kansas City, Excelsior City. Excelsior City is where that, that woman was found um, having been uh, held hostage and other terrible, terrible things. Um, the Excelsior City Police Department responded to claims that they ignored reports from the community about these missing black women. In a statement, they say, we have checked with law enforcement agencies in the Kansas City metropolitan area, and there are no current missing persons reports which correspond with the evidence examined so far in this investigation. Uh, Ryan, I also read your most recent report uh, where you, you took on Kansas City's police department for what they had said before, those completely unfounded rumors. Uh, and it still says that uh, we do maintain that there's no indication that what you guys reported was accurate, even after this woman was found. And we should also tell our, our viewers that, that, there's, that there is the possibility that there were other victims uh, that are still being investigated. How do you account for both what you've heard from these police departments, those statements, and also do you feel like even after this has come to light that these reports are still not being taken seriously? Absolutely. I think that both of those are excellent questions. And quite frankly, to us in the community, with the police department maintaining their position, that what they initially said, that these reports in the community were completely unfounded, even after this woman who escaped this situation said herself, she's the victim. And she said herself, she got picked up off of Kansas City, uh, this, this street called Prospect in Kansas City. And so for the police department to continue and say that the reports of missing people from this particular street were completely unfounded is honestly a slap in the face to the people in our community. It uh, once again, just drives their credibility down, quite frankly. And it is it's once again, just very troubling and uh, I think that the, the primary problem here that we see is that in that statement that you just mentioned from the Excelsior Springs Police Department, where they say they don't have any missing persons reports that correlate the two, uh, what we can look at is that the woman who actually escaped did not have a missing persons report on her. And so uh, she was still from Kansas City. She still got picked up on Prospect where people said she was missing, but she did not have a missing persons report. And so there could be numerous other women who are missing. 
and the police department should be willing to look into their cases and investigate even if a formal missing persons report is not filed you think they owe you an apology i mean not me i think they owe the black community at large and especially uh the black women i mean this woman was tortured in her basement or in this man's basement for over a month uh multiple women potentially have also been killed I, I think they should be apologizing to the families. I think they should be apologizing to the black community at large. Uh, and I really don't know how they regain trust and credibility in our community. And so what we are doing on the ground is we're, we're establishing our own infrastructure, our own public safety infrastructure and missing persons databases so that we don't have to rely on the police department. to. Do okay. Now, you know, this, this case reminds me of, uh, Sam Little. And for many of you, you probably don't know who Sam Little is. Sam Little uh, was a black serial killer who was killing prostitutes, mainly minorities. And this was during, I think, the 60s and the 70s, 60s, 70s. All right. And they didn't care about the victims because they were minorities. And in those times, minorities were looked at minority victims were looked upon as the lesser dead. You heard me right. We were looked upon as the lesser dead. The only time the police department actually cares is when he started killing white women. Look him up, Sam Little. Pretty much reminds me of this. And Prospect Park, what he's not talking about is the fact that was an area known for prostitution. So these black women, these missing black women, were possibly prostitutes. Most of them. She said seven of her friends were in this house. Again, how did they all end up in this house? You got to ask yourself those questions. It's sad what happened, but being a prostitute leaves you open for predators. Being in a sex industry. Okay? And if you're a black one, you're definitely going to be on the totem pole. Of society, that's how society looks at. We live in a racist society. That's how they look at black women. Okay, it's sad, but that—that's just how it is. And as and I see the way how things turned out. That's how Sam Little got away with it for so long, killing black women. Because racism was giving him the, the, the cover to do the things that he did. All right. Let's get into this one right here. This story right here. Mr. Newsom. Let's get into that one. They feel like a lot of excuses are being thrown around, and that's because they're paying a whole lot of money at the pump. Just in the last three days, 43 cents more per gallon in three days. Take a look at some of these numbers. These are just some of the averages 
535 a gallon is the average for California. And then the national average is 380. Think about that. We're paying $2.50 more than the national average. And just as we thought the prices were going down, we're actually seeing them skyrocket in some cases. AAA says the reason describing Southern California as a gas island, meaning we rely on our local oil refineries or outsourcing our gas, which primarily comes from Asia. Right now, experts say oil refineries are down for maintenance, causing gas prices to spike. But what's the main reason? While crude oil prices are down, oil companies have increased gas prices in California by a record 84 cents per gallon in just the past 10 days. Experts say oil companies have failed to provide an explanation for the massive spikes. The governor is also now getting involved, calling out oil refineries, even using the term oil company extortion. The degree of divergence from the national prices has never happened before. And oil companies, they provide no explanation. The fact is, they're ripping you off. Newsom, who is running for re-election, wants state law... That's the irony of it all. They're ripping you off, and you're not, Mr. Newsom? Hmm. I can't even begin, because I'm trying to keep my channel... <laughs> Let's just continue. Lawmakers to pass a windfall tax on oil company profits to send it back to California through rebates and refunds. He also wants state environmental regulators to allow refineries to produce the less expensive winter blend fuel a month early. Many states are already doing that. That can save us 15 to 20 cents per gallon. Meanwhile, Republican lawmakers have repeatedly called the state to suspend its 53 cent gas tax to bring relief to drivers. A state assemblyman adding that every other state is seeing relief from high gas prices and asking the governor to make a major action, starting with suspending the taxes and fees that make our gas so much more expensive, adding approximately $1.80 per gallon. Just imagine that, thinking about saving $1.80 a gallon. That can save multiple people money. In fact, just last week, I paid $15 more this morning than I did last week. So definitely a shocker at the pump. And sadly, experts say it doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime soon. Yep, yep, yep. We're, we're going into some hard times. I don't know what to tell you about when it comes to the gas, but you guys got to basically, you know, try to find a way to conserve gas. So you get a container and pour some gas in the container and you could store gas. Got to be creative. It's going to be some hard times, some savage times, you know. I don't know what to say. You may have even have some gas thieves that will do some things to your car to get some gas. Times are going to be hard, people. Times are going to be hard. But uh, let's look into this story right here. A very interesting story. Shocking, actually. Coming out of uh, Philadelphia. It really was the Kmart of human experimentation from 1951 to 1974. 
experiment that took place at Holmesburg. In some cases, it could just be very plain soup. In other cases, it could be a carcinogenic chemical. The inmates were never told. Hornblum was a literacy instructor at the prison in the 1970s when he noticed many black prisoners in bad shape. He says UPenn dermatologist Albert Klugman led experiments on prisoners. The inmates were paid a dollar a day, but it cost them their health. For his book, Hornblum spoke to Dr. Klugman before he died in 2010. He thought what took place here was fine. According to his observation, uh, the inmates were treated fairly. Philadelphia shut down the experiments in 1974 two years after the Tuskegee syphilis experiment made national headlines. But the damage to the former inmates was already done. They have lots of fears and regrets. They never really learned what they were testing or being injected with. Almost a half century later, a survey shows 53% of blacks view medical scientists positively compared to whites and Hispanics. I'm not surprised at all. Dr. Ayla Stanford heads the Black Doctors COVID-19 Consortium, a group of predominantly black doctors who offer free testing in Philadelphia's low-income neighborhoods. Black communities in Philadelphia have a disproportionately high number of COVID cases and deaths. The consortium is working to break down the walls of mistrust among African Americans. But you actually listen to what they're asking and you show them the testing kit. You demonstrate how it's going to be done. Dr. Stanford says black doctors only make up 5% of all physicians in America. So educating white doctors about black health care is crucial. You have to acknowledge what your own implicit biases are when you see a six foot five African-American male come into your office. In Holmesburg, Brandon Hudson, NBC 10 News. That That is, uh, it's tough, man. It's just, it's like slavery never left. Slavery never left. They use you as a beast of burden. And it's, uh, And he's, you know, a beast of burden, and you could do experiments on us, and, you know, it's perfectly fine because they look at you as not human. And they could just make an apology, and everything is fine. And the worst thing is, like, you have, you know, you, you have Republicans and clown conservatives that will tell you, hey, we don't need reparations. We don't need apologies. You know, there's no such thing as racism. And then you wonder why people just get unfriended with the quickness on social media at times. Let's get to the story. Why did Putin call the U.S. and the West Satan and neo-colonial exploiters? Referendums were held from September 24th to 27th on proposals to join the Russian Federation in the Donbass region's People's Republic of Donetsk and Lunhask and in the Russian majority, I can't pronounce these names, and Kyrgyzstan regions of Ukraine, which Russian forces have liberated. The results of these referendums show that the majority voted in favor of accession to Russia. After that, the Russian President Vladimir Putin signed an agreement on the accession, the accession of the two People's Republics in the territories which have been liberated from the neo-Nazis into the Russian Federation. On Friday, October 1st, 2022, Putin delivered a key speech 
at the St. George Hall of the Kremlin Palace addressing the people of Russia and those of the newly acceded territories. In his speech, Putin confidently expressed that Russia would thwart all Western imperialistic ambitions, especially to weaken and balkanize the Russian state. He also lambasted the U.S. and its lackeys, compared them with Satan and called them neo-colonialists. Putin criticized the West's vehement opposition to the people's right to self-determination. He lambasted Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, an unapologetic defender of the neo-Nazi Azov Battalion and their crimes against humanity. It is undoubtedly their right and inherent right sealed in the Article 1 of the UN Charter, which directly states the principle of equal rights and self-determination of people, as Putin said. He threatened that the West can't turn the wheels of history back and undo the people's verdict regarding their right to self-determination. He asserted that the West and Ukraine must note that these people are now Russian citizens. He said, I want the Kiev authorities and the true handlers in the West to hear me now. And I want everyone to remember this. The people living in the Longhouse and Dunkhouse and Kershaw and Zaporizhia have become our citizens forever. Putin asserted that Russia will throw all its weight behind these people and protect them. We will defend our land with all the forces and resources we have, and we will do everything we can to ensure the safety of our people. This is the great liberating mission of our nation. He, had, was, he even asked the Kiev regime to undertake a peace process and hold all hostilities. However, Putin was warned. Putin warned that Russia would be ready to discuss everything, but won't change the status of these newly acceded parts. Putin said, we call on the Kiev regime to immediately cease fire and all hostilities to end the war at least back in 2014 and return to the negotiating table. We are ready for this. We have said more than once with the voice of the people in Dunghaz, Lunghaz, and that can't pronounce that. And Russia will not be satisfied. The decision has been made, and Russia will not betray it. Kiev current authorities should respect this free expression of the people's will. There is no other way. This is the only way to peace. Putin criticized the imperialistic hegemonic attitude of the U.S. and its allies. He blamed them for their sheer colonial mindset and their agenda to balkanize and weaken Russia. Putin cited the historical facts from the Korean War to the Vietnam War and beyond to show how the U.S. and its allies have always resorted to wars and violence to impose their rule on the world without with brute force. That is true. That is true. A lot of American uh, servicemen have died needlessly. Okay? Needlessly. For the greed of the American... Uh, corrupt politicians. <clears throat> Putin said the West is ready to cross every line to preserve the neo-colonial system, which allows us to live off the world to plunder it thanks to the domination of the dollar and technology to collect an actual tribute from humanity to extract its primary source of unearned prosperity, the rent paid to the hegemon. The preservation of this annuity is their main, real, and absolutely self-serving motivation. This is why total desovereignization is in their interest. This explains their aggression towards independent states, traditional values, and authentic cultures, their attempts to undermine international and integration process, new global currencies, and technological deployment centers they cannot control. It is critically important for them to force all countries to surrender to their sovereignty to the United States. Okay? And that is true. Okay, this is why Russia is putting up such a fight against the United States through battling Ukraine. 
okay? And they don't want, you know, to be like the rest of the world that's been conquered by America, okay? America is no longer for traditional values, for family. They're about, you know, regression. And destruction of the family and destruction of society. Our government is destroying its citizens and wants to destroy um, other places that have some sense of decency. Do I think Putin is a good guy? No, 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 no. He's had his ways, he has his ways, but America is no different and is not an angel either. With the bloodshed, the propaganda, and the lies. And the horrible things that it has done to other nations. As the American government, you know, the military has done to its own service people. To explain how the neocolonial aggression of the U.S. and its allies take place, Putin said, in certain countries, the ruling elites voluntarily agree to do this, voluntarily agree to become vassals. Others are bribed or intimidated, and this does not work. They destroy entire states, leaving behind humanitarian disasters, Devastating ruins, millions of wrecked and mangled human lives, terrorist enclaves, social disaster zones, protectorates, colonies, and semi-colonies. They don't care. All they care about is their own benefit. He linked U.S. and its Western allies' neocolonial ambitions with their ongoing tirade against Russia, in which they have been using Ukraine as a pawn. I want to underscore again that their instability and determination to preserve their unfettered dominance are the real causes of the hybrid war that the collective West is waging against Russia. They do not want us to be free. They want us to be a colony. They do not want equal cooperation. They want to loot. They want. They do not want to see us as a free society, but a mass soulless slaves. Putin mocked the Western imperialistic nation as rules-based world order. He said, and all we hear is the West is insisting on a rules-based order. Where did that come from anyway? Who has ever seen these rules? Who agreed to or approved them? Listen, this is not, this is just a lot of nonsense, utter deceit, double standards, or even triple standards. They must think we're stupid. Accusing the Western powers of violating sovereignty and independent nations, he said it was the so called West that trampled on the principle of inviolability of borders, and now it's deciding at its own decision, discretion, who has the right to self determination, who does not. Who is unworthy of it? It is unclear what their decisions are based on or who gave them the right to decide in the first place. They just assumed it. He also accused the Western elites of practicing totalitarianism, despotism, and apartheid. Putin said Western elites do not only deny national sovereignty and international law. Their hedge money has pronounced features of totalitarianism, despotism, and apartheid. They brazenly divide the world into their vassals, the so-called civilized countries, and all the rest who are according to the designs of today's Western racists should be added to the list of barbarians and savages. There is nothing new in this. Deep down, the Western elites have, the man, have remained the same colonizers. They discriminate and divide peoples into top tier and the rest. Um, that, I, you, what, what, what can you say? I, I, I don't see any lies here. I don't see any lies here at all. Okay, I don't. 
From the discuss from the discussing the topic of the collapse of the Soviet Union, which he considered the biggest geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century, the criticizing the recent assassination attempt targeting Russian's geopolitical philosopher Alexander Gilgin, in which his daughter was assassinated, Putin spoke about several topics connecting Russia's present condition and the U.S. impunity. Putin criticized his predecessor Boris Yeltsin, from whom he usurped power in 2000 for his betrayal that led to the collapse of the Soviet Union. Yeltsin who then headed the Russian-Soviet Federalist Socialist Republic along with the heads of Ukrainian and Balsarian Soviet republics undermined this verdict of the referendum held on the, Soviet U- held on the Soviet Union in which the majority voted for retaining the Union. They signed a treaty in private in December 1991 to dissolve the Soviet Union, which was both unethical and unconstitutional. Even the former Soviet President Mikhail Gorbachev, who recently died, criticized the move three leaders. However, as he had earlier helped Yeltsin ban the ruling Communist Party of the Soviet Union, he neither had a political apparatus nor the state machinery to stop Yeltsin's juggernaut. Without naming Yeltsin, Putin said in 1991 in Belzovsakia, a representative of the party elite of that time made a decision to determine the Soviet Union without asking ordinary citizens what they wanted and people suddenly found themselves cut from their land, homeland this tore apart and dismembered our national community and triggered national catastrophe. He also took pot shots at others, including Gorbachev, saying the last leaders of the Soviet Union, contrary to the direct expression of the will of the majority of the people, the referendum of 1991 destroyed our great country and simply made people in the former republics face this as an accomplished fact. Okay. You can read the rest. Okay. Um, on a time constraint but everything Putin said is facts this is how our American government works this is why we have so many enemies okay so tell me what you think let me know what you think in the comment section like share comment and subscribe later